This episode is brought to you by the SoftBank Group, imagining a world where all things, information and minds, are connected. friends and enemies. It's episode nine of This Machine Kills. I'm Jathan here with Ed and producer Jeremy, as always. And uh, guys, let's talk about evil. evil. Like it's the fruits of the devil. I've been seeing a lot of people talking about evil, giving passes to people, say, oh, you know, they're not really that evil. You know, they, they're just... They just don't understand what they don't know. You know, it's Rumsfeld, right? There's all these unknown, unknown, <laughs> known unknowns, you know. I but they're not, shit. but they're not evil people. They're just they're just mm-hmm. limited in their in their potential and in their understanding. I'm getting kind of tired of it. Yeah, you know, I think um, you know, Anand Gerhardis is like a really it's been a good sort of um i know a lot of people in like nonprofit spaces and whatnot that like have been radicalized by or not radicalized but pushed in the right direction by his critique in a way that they wouldn't from like you know uh, angry uh communists like us but uh there are limitations to it i think like there's been a ser- i think one of the things has really set us back part of a political project and also just talking about political economy is like a reluctance to talk about moral intention or moral calculus right you know like one of the reasons i think why there's refusal to talk about um the political economy of things right the structural material forces because if you do that consistently then it becomes very clear that certain things should not ever be allowed to happen and that any system any process that allows them to happen consistently right is an immoral project and if it's an immoral project consistently, it's probably a wicked and evil project. But you start doing that and it becomes, you know, uh, surely they can't be evil. You know, I know that my kids know them. Or they, they're people, they smile, they they tell jokes, you know, they're human They beings. tweet, you know. Right? They're, they're not Nazis. They're not, um, they're not, you know, like, you know, war criminals. They're just people following orders and doing a job. But I think, you know there really needs to be an infusion of moral rhetoric and discourse in this country, in this society. Yeah, I don't know. I know it's, it's, it's so, it's so weird too. Cause it's like, we can't, we can't forfeit the idea of a moral critique or the, uh, the idea of a moral universe to, uh, you know, the, the evangelicals to the right wing Christian, you know, eschatons and shit like that. Right. Like, like those, for whatever reason, those are the only people that get to talk about morality and wickedness and good and evil. And, and that's, that's messed up. You know, it's, it's messed up because it leads to this like really cartoonish idea of evil. 
right? It leads to this idea that like evil is only, uh, you know, like a mustache twirling villain, right? It's only fucking like some Rocky and Bullwinkle, like tying, you know, the innocent damsel to the train tracks. Like that's the only thing that's evil. Everything else is just, you know, uh, misunderstood or they they can be saved or whatever and and I'm tired of it because this this view doesn't make you like sagacious right it doesn't make you wise it doesn't make you prudent um to to talk about it in this way it just makes you blind to the actually existing enemies and the actually existing evil in the world day in large and small ways when it comes to morality um the things that are allowed to go on every day that are not constantly talked about or focused on every day that me and every single person does is in of itself like an egregious, you know, moral failing. And, you know, maybe part of the reluctance to think about people's evils because, or their projects and and, this, and them by extension of doing the project is evils because we don't want to implicate ourselves. But like, you know, um, they no other methodology, right? Like the, by imagining things as innocent or as corrupted, but with more more redeemable, we end up like refusing to look at material causes, refusing to look at the structures that cause things, refusing to look at our own roles and things and we end up minimizing everything to like the ideal level to just like ideas that people hold in their head. And like, as long as your intentions are good and as long as you like, have like a good heart and as long as you like were raised right in one way or another then it doesn't really matter if like you're working at the if you're working to fix the racism computer you know because you're a good yeah, person yeah 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 it doesn't matter if you programmed the racist computer because you were just limited and you're understanding you're no yeah mm -hmm. you're not racist you just programmed the racist computer it's all right i mean and it also mm -hmm. i mean the irony is that this like liberal idea of evil um also does lead to a, a an, an acceptance or an opening of atonement too, because all these people do need to do is just say me culpa, right? They need to give their me culpa. They need to go on their right. apology tour. This is the only thing that I will say about this this documentary. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> but that's what social dilemma was. It was in many ways an apology tour for people who. Uh, did evil, made a lot of money, and decided they wanted to be good again, right? They decided they wanted to apologize for not programming the racist computer, but funding the racist computer, owning the racist computer, making a lot of money off the racist computer, and then being like, oh, was that not good? Oh, fuck. <laughs> yeah. You know, I think, all, yeah, you know, I think that's why sometimes i mean there are a lot of reasons why over the past few years the turn towards the the, the tech lash even though that in of itself is like a narrative constructed by the tech companies right or the idea that there's been an increasing disillusionment with the utopia narratives of silicon valley you know that has wrong hollow i think in many ways because there is a reluctance to like you said because of the trap of like liberal conceptions of evil not talk about how like some things are just fundamentally immoral and if they're immoral then why do they exist i mean like why can you redeem a system which at its root requires child labor in the congo probably not but so mm -hmm. the what are the options that we have there do we talk about 
um, the child labor at the center of the system constantly and consistently and, and, and get ignored on that front? Or do we ignore it and try to talk about other ways in which it's a problem? I think like if, if you really, you really spend time looking at every level of supply chains, of, of interpersonal relations, of larger structural effects, of how things are funded, where capital is being invested and blocked off from and how labor is treated. Like there's not, there's not really a lot you can defend about the system, but the critiques that get advanced kind of focus or pigeonhole or, or I think distract honestly from a lot of like these really core criticisms where if you committed to them, you would question whether or not these things can exist. If, mm-hmm. if you cannot, if we, if we have an economy, if we have a tech economy in a, in a, in a series of consumer goods and products that need like slave labor from a specific region of the world and emiserates it, then we need, then we should have a question, a discussion about whether or not that should happen. But instead it doesn't happen. Right. And this discussion gets no. limited to like fifth order things. Yeah. It gets limited to fifth order things. And then like all the authority of who gets to be the critic or who gets to, to, to then, you know, offer these comments um, is also, it just reminds me. So like, you, you know, some VCs got mad at us for our episode <laughs> last week. <laughs> I don't, I don't understand why, <laughs> I understand why we gave them the attention it. that those fucking attention seeking <laughs> whores are looking for. So, you know, <laughs> um, but the, you know, Jason Kalanakis, a VC with a, with a, a long track record of investing in evil and being very mm. happy about it. Um, proposed on on twitter to us one of my favorite dismissals of criticism which is he basically said you know you guys don't understand the vc system have you even quote have you even worked in the vc system or raised it right and 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 that's very funny to me because it basically means like like you can't you can't know something to be evil unless you you actively do evil and work in evil and yeah, then you try killing up uh, children you know you you try killing people <laughs> and smothering them <laughs> in, in pools and see and see if you think it's evil, Jason. I, I don't <laughs> I think you'd have a different opinion. Yeah, and, dude, and, and Jason, then, you if know, you're you listening to decide, this, <laughs> yeah, I hit him. I'll What's get up? you a job in a union. And you get me a job in a VC fund, and then we can exchange those. I will probably try to blow up the. I mean, like you know, like blow up the money in the fund, um, and you can do whatever you want at the union. I think they'll survive, but we'll see. Well, you know, we can exchange notes and see, and, and see what we learn at our places. I also want to point out that it's very funny that he framed it as "Have you even worked in VC?" Because VCs don't do work. So right. I mean, that's some wishful thinking there. To also, like, come on, dude. I'm a I'm a black guy. I'm not wealthy. You know, you think I've worked at VC? Come on. <laughs> Come on. I'm not I'm not who's working there. I'm not who's getting recruited. I look it's ridiculous. The whole thing it's was rid- just like such a, a, a bad performance on his part. I think that it's also interesting because that's not like the first time. I doubt he would remember it. The first time I got in like a little argument with um with Jason. But like one of the things he does, and you know, I feel like other VCs do, which is also important, um, is focusing like individual outcomes in narrow circumstances. So it's like, you know, with a portfolio like that, and VCs in general with their portfolios to point at the successes, right? But, you know, what are the consequences? What are the actual consequences of taking hundreds of millions of dollars of capital and then just throwing it wherever you think 
something might smell like money and then um reaping like you know profits and revenues from those stakes but like also investing again hundreds of millions in things that are gonna fail you know or unprofitable mm-hmm. or won't fail but in the duration of period in which they don't fail that 5 10 15 years they're undermining public options they're undermining other profitable options because they have subsidies and they're doing all sorts of damage that can't be measured out and is multiples of the money that you're investing in the first place yeah well i mean for them that is good right like yeah like, <laughs> right and it, it i mean it does get it does get to a, i think a core idea um of this difference of like the conceptions of what's evil and what's not is that i, I don't think that there is some kind of like objective outside of humanity evilness in this like kind of divine sense right Mm -hmm. because for them what we see as evil they see as good but instead what we must do is take evil as a category and as a useful concept um and then back it up with analysis right and that that i mean that's in part what we're trying to do here i i'm not i'm not the kind of like you know marxist who shies away from the moral critique and i don't think people should there is a kind of a I think a push towards a more like analytical, like anti-moral um, kind of Marxist Marxism or leftism. Um, but I, Marx was an intensely uh, morally focused person, as well yeah. as focused on the the political economic system. And we need both, right? We need to keep both in mind. Um, Marx's and- most poignant passages are ones where he, are, for me at least, like ones where he is at the same time like decrying how horrible and dehumanizing and destructive capital can be and also the the ways in which it's being that way because it's restructuring specific elements mm-hmm. of our relations and specific ways that we're supposed to you know, move through the world um that was always to me the most attractive part of the project in the sense like that's the stuff that by me if i'm trying to convince someone of the world that we want is to explain to them like how horrible this world is in the ways in which it betrayed them and undermines them in addition to like why right and i think he does that really well you know consistently yeah and i i think this so this will help us segue to our our main um our main our our main target for the for the week's episode Mm -hmm. uh but so to that to that then it's been really interesting to my dad uh, has been reading my book too smart, you know, and um, and this is actually pretty surprising uh, because you know it's not the kind of thing that my dad would really get into. And my dad, you know, my dad's uh, you know got a high school education, but he's been he's retired now. But he was a he was an, a, a, an electrician at a shipyard um, for over forty years, and uh, you know. But but he's been you know checking out checking out my book, which is his kind of first introduction to thinking about technology in this way and and all that. And and he's been for as long as I can remember a like like a, a loyal and adamant customer of Amazon. Uh, he's the kind of guy that like you know even before the pandemic like never left his house. So the idea that you can just get anything uh, delivered to you that you want, um, you know, is is like perfect for him but we were talking on the phone and he was telling me about how like uh my like like the my book 
and talking about just the labor conditions in Amazon's warehouses, which is all new to him, right? He, he wasn't aware of, of any of this. Um, it's like really making him begin to question uh, using Amazon and like it's making him uh, rethink the, the, the company um, and, and really just like kind of opening his eyes to a lot of this kind of stuff that's happening behind the, that makes a, a truly convenient service um, actually operate, right? And that's all, I mean, that's not a like political economic analysis on the operations of logistics and labor conditions and stuff. It's, it's a moral response, right? It's a response to um, him being, you know, working in like really tough conditions as a blue collar guy, as an electrician all his life and being able to kind of relate to people working in those warehouses and put himself in their, in their shoes and be like, that's not a company that I would want to work for. I wouldn't want that, those people to be my bosses. And it's, it, it, I mean, it's just, it, I don't know. It just, it was really interesting for him to kind of explain this to me. Um, it was super unexpected <laughs> as well, uh, but it was it was really interesting. Um, and I think it just kind of shows that there is actually a power to um, this kind of awareness raising and doing so in a way that is, uh, um, I think really crystal clear in its analysis and its, in its conclusions, right? And clear in a um, both a, a, a analytical sense of like, here's how this is operating, here's what it means as a system or as a structure, but also clear in a moral sense, right? Like here's the actual harms, here's why it fucking sucks and it's shitty um, and you should not like it. <laughs> right, you know, I think, and I think, you know, in many ways, Amazon is probably one of the more perfect ones. I think that's why it's good for us to focus on this episode. You know, Amazon is, of course, a monopoly, of course, run by the richest man in the world. Of course, you know, like it, it's the every, what is it, the everything store is what they call it. Yeah, you know? yeah. But you do not get to that position without doing and unveiling and pursuing a lot of um, simultaneous projects, which I think if... Uh, were done individually by any company, we, there would be a little bit more outrage. But because they're all done by one company at the same time, which is doing everything else, it's hard to keep track of, and it's hard and it's hard to overstate how um, problematic this is, right? Um, and how and how vi how viciously it needs to be opposed, right? Um, hmm. Yeah, yeah, I like right. You, you've heard of an innovation ecosystem. Well, right. Amazon is actively constructing a domination ecosystem. Um, and, and we were, you know, we were talking before we were recording that, like, I feel like a lot of people, you know, a lot of people are aware of the, the labor condition, like the hellish labor conditions um, in their kind of network of warehouses and logistics and delivery, right? Um, a lot of people might be aware of uh, all of their all of Amazon's cynical partnerships with the military, with the police, with intelligence agencies, right? Like providing um, servers to the CIA, or you know, providing ring partnerships to the police, like whatever. Like people are aware of that, and people may be aware of Bezos as this kind of like world historic supervillain um, figure. 
But I, I think what you, you're getting at, what you were getting at um, perfectly, Ed, is that I think a lot of people are, are not aware of because it's impossible to keep up with all of the like actual stuff that they are building and creating, like all the technology, all of the infrastructure. Um, like it's like my job and it's your job, like literally to like keep track of all this and do this. And yeah. I find <laughs> it to be nearly impossible. Yeah. Like I've like, what was it on, on like sometime recently, like last week, there was uh like late last week, it just seemed like there was a like like five news items of about Amazon dropped all in the same day, like on a Friday. And and it was yeah. it, it just felt like because being force fed, right? I was like a fucking it, duck being engorged. <laughs> <laughs> they had they had an event. They had an event um and at these events, they tend to, oh, they do, they do this. I don't know if it's a, I mean, I feel like it's a tactic actually, because, you know, all these events are so stage managed, you know, but um, they unveiled like a host of echo devices and ring devices uh, that are in new areas that other competitors are not in and are also building on like other products that they haven't talked about for a year or two years. So it's like, so it is a lot which I also understand can be a pressure to like lead to a lot of places to just do like hits and just talk about it versus like parsing out like, okay, how is this a nightmare thing? Or why would the nightmare uh, company uh, release this thing? You know, <laughs> <laughs> like, what are they doing with it now? Yeah. And I, I like, all right, let's, let's run through some of these products that are, are rolling out. Um, and then we can talk about, I, I think it all is very intentionally leading somewhere, right? Like this is not, this is not a, dis, a discrete, um, like laundry list of products, right? Like this is all actively leading towards a, an Amazon ecosystem, right? They're all actively building into, uh, an, an infrastructure that, you know, that we'll talk about. After we get get a grasp on some of the things that Amazon is rolling out, I mean, Ring itself was just like, what what an acquisition by Amazon, and they've taken Ring to like to to new levels, right? Like Ring kind of Ring was Ring was living in 2020, and Amazon's bringing it to 3020. Yeah, you know, so Ring is for anyone listening who may not know, Ring is this surveillance company that offers um, doorbell cameras that was then bought up by Amazon. And then what Amazon did to Ring is it created partnerships with over a thousand police departments where, okay, me, let's say me and Jathan get rings on our homes, right? We, in our neighborhood, if there's a partnership with Amazon, the police department can usually just get the uh, footage, any footage from our uh, ring cameras, keep it as long as they want, share it with whoever they want, right? Uh, there's also like, you know, a sort of marketing campaign where rings are given to departments for free if they promise to promote them to the uh, people in the town. And usually the way that they're promoted to people in the town is just racist, suburban paranoia. You know, you got to watch out. You know, you live in a part of town where they might, where people might steal your packages or, mm -hmm. you know, might rob your house when you're not home. Um, and so through this, uh, Amazon has managed to create a massive surveillance network uh, where with police departments, it trains them to get footage, 
or to uh, to ask nicely for footage if the people initially declined for consent, or to just take it straight up, right? And then Amazon will have this footage as well and does whatever they may want to do with it. Um, like the most likely thing would be, well, like if you have if you just have like comprehensive footage of like neighborhoods and like what's there and. and conceivably, I don't know if they're doing this, but, you know, like, if I were Amazon, I would, like, use the footage to try to get an idea of, like, what competitor competitor delivery services we're doing and then try to figure out how to augment, like, Amazon Flex or whatever to compete better in that area. But point being that, you know, Ring ends up being just one front of Amazon's partnership where it's promoting paranoia in, in neighborhoods, right? Along with the recognition software, which it said that it stopped offering to police departments, but it's still offering to, you know, C-SPAN, National Geographic, NFL, like all these private partners who use Yeah, that was some real bull. I mean, that was like, <laughs> but, so recognition is their, fa- is their facial recognition software. That can uh, detect fear, apparently. Right, right, that they right which, which fear. they're... Yeah, they're constantly like upgrading it with with uh, you know quote quote unquote capabilities, <laughs> you know, uh, to to detect emotions and and not only just faces but object recognition as well, right? And yeah, when they announced um, in response to like the like the wave um, of the first kind of wave of George Floyd um, protest. Uh, that they were doing like a year long moratorium of providing right. the facial recognition to police departments is like, oh, but like, at the same off. time, they were continuing, <laughs> yeah, right. They were continuing to write legislation and lobby legislators and tried to do it, for example, in um, Seattle, I believe, which were uh, Portland, where they lost the battle, um, where they were trying to regulate the way in which facial recognition would be banned because they were going to do a crazy ban and they did where all facial recognition in public and private spaces is banned and amazon was like no no no, no, no. look you know let us like you know give you some advice mm-hmm. and why that's a bad idea and why business they, is they, needed they want to write the ethics framework legislation them right. and microsoft right and it's like yeah of course so amazon has once part of its little kingdom is just providing software to people to allow them to track each other's faces and then also selling enough fear and paranoia to get people to buy into the camera system and the surveillance system that it offers to do Mm. more of the tracking and to get more data on people's faces and to get more, you know, information that it can then use to augment its product and services in other areas of its kingdom. Right. And I think yeah, that I've, this is a consistent strategy. Amazon uses information from one area of its fiefdom to, you know, uh, supplant or to, to push out competitors and and threats to its operation in another. Yeah, I mean, this is something that Amazon, as this like really large corporation with a lot of a lot of tentacles doing a lot of things, uh, it, it's it's actually pretty frightening at. at the, it's not only that the left hand knows what the right hand is doing, they are in perfect choreography with each other, right? They are well coordinated. And it's it's pretty frightening because, yeah, I mean, Ring, the Ring's tagline might as well be living in American carnage, right? Like, like it, 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 it's, it's totally feeds off of this, um, like, very American suburbia, uh, suburbia kind of um, idea of, like, you know, your house is a fortress, um, it's not a castle; it's a fortress, and you have to protect it from 
an evil outside world. Uh, and it's, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Amazon buys the Sinclair Media Group, um, mm. you know, and, and it's in its acquisitions because no, no, nothing, nothing contributes to Amazon Ring's sales like uh like the fear mongering of like local news of Sinclair Media, right? So yeah, you know, and, and I think it's also another area to talk about probably is like Amazon's attempt, you know, to move into media. Amazon has Democracy uh, another... dies in darkness, Ed. <laughs> yeah, no, it does. I think um the the first instinct might be to look at whether Amazon owns other media companies, but actually, right, it's you know, to look at the existing business model for media companies and how Amazon is trying to get on on that. So, you know, with one one of the ways that Amazon's of course it has, you know, advertising, which is another thing we'll talk about later, but an important innovation I would say that it has is it has these echo devices, right? You know, the speakers that are listening according to certain words that cue it to be on and record. And it's just like what it essentially is, is you are training Alexa, the voice assistant, to be better at, you know, recognition of language. Um, that device is integrated into, you know, its um, television sets into its television um, additional devices that give you like cable or access to specific channels, uh, to its speakers, to its um, uh, handheld devices. And all of this, you know, in one way or another allows it to like pretty closely track people's interest, browsing history, uh, what they consume on Amazon or of Amazon, what they consume for other places, right? If they're using an Amazon mm -hmm. device. Um, and yeah, these have to be understood as as smart home hubs, right? right? These are not these are not voice assistants. These are like you know they're they're designed to be like your home AI. Right, right. Amazon is trying to position itself in one way or another as a node, right? And it's a node that information passes through specifically your information and your consumptive habits, right? Amazon's ideal is in, as a consumer where even if you don't use Amazon all the time, you are using other things or accessing other things and doing other services through Amazon products because that gives them enough information to then try to offer a competitor product that's a duplicate or a substitute. Mm -hmm. Or to you know figure out ways to sell the information or sell against your information so that they can you know get advertising revenue, which is a, an increasingly significant part of their operation. And so the media operation should also be really thought of as like again another way for them to position themselves in your daily life as something as a gatekeeper. You have to pass through here to, and and you have to leave some information behind, or you have to give up some information, right? And you can get through. And you may, you don't even have to you don't have to use me. Like you don't have to buy from Amazon. You don't have to buy from Amazon. You don't have to be like a loyal Amazon customer, except that you need Amazon shit in your house, right? So that they yeah yeah exactly. So they they want to be. I mean they they want to be the everything everywhere store. So uh, let's before before we get. I mean before we get to too ahead of ourselves um talk about so so with ring right so it started as this doorbell camera right so it's just a doorbell camera but it's really weird that they're kind of taking this form factor of the doorbell camera and just like putting it in all kinds of other random places now right mm -hmm. so so uh last week they announced a um a dash cam 
let's did you did you read about this this dash cam so the uh, oh, the yeah. Ring dash cam. Oh <laughs> I wrote about that shit. I hate. Oh, it. you I did. Mean, it's a fucking nightmare. It's, it's so it's it's because I read a bunch of uh, stuff that came out initially for it that just felt like press releases, and um, you know, uh, not the fact that like they're releasing surveillance cameras for your car and a surveillance drone that is in your home. You know. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So that's that's the other thing is um, that they did the uh, what was it called? Is it just called the Ring drone? No, it's called Always Home. Oh, shit. Of course it is. <laughs> of course it fucking is. <laughs> the Always Home Cam. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, so this is this is some cynical shit. So the dash cam is oh, so cynical. Like the way that they marketed it, mm-hmm. like with this traffic stop mode that they've got in there. Yeah, that was that was... I didn't like so the, the idea is that you've got your ring car cam, as it's called, um, which is also powered by Alexa. So, so your car has Alexa inside of it um, as well with the car cam. And, you know, it's got this traffic stop mode where you say, like, that's explicitly Alexa, marketed. Fuck the police. And then it. Yeah. <laughs> so it's expl- they're explicitly marketing it as a way to record interactions with the police and save the, uh, the, uh, the, the audio and video on the cloud. So you say, Alexa, I'm getting pulled over. And it like turns on this traffic cam mode. And Jesus fucking Christ, dude, is that just like dark and cynical? Cause like. Yeah, you know- it it really does remind me of their messaging immediately after the George Floyd protests, where it's like, even though we benefit from police brutality and even though we give them facial recognition tuck, which is broken and racist and which amplifies it, uh, we're gonna we're gonna offer you these comforting words. And it's like Amazon in of itself, uh, by its offerings of ring and facial recognition, has created a paranoia. It helped you know, fuel paranoia in the suburbs. So the idea that now they're going to a traffic stop and being like, hey, we'll keep you safe is is um is 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 them just trying to like market to people thinking that, you know, this is what they want in a moment it's, of unrest. It's real it really is the epitome of like trying to have everything all the time, right? So they're they're like, you know, we're gonna we're gonna everything store. Yeah, we're gonna provide the software to the cops but we're also mm. going to provide it to you um, to protect you from the cops, but also we're going to provide it to you to protect you from the criminals. Um, but also we're going to provide soft, like we're going to provide devices that criminals can hack to then right. like, you <laughs> right. know, to, to, uh, to, to case your house. Like, you know, we're, we're, we're just providing solutions to everybody, right? You gotta, you gotta fight Amazon with Amazon. It's the only way to go. You gotta fight ring with ring. <laughs> no, dude, you know, you have to, you have to play every side in this, in this case, you know, if you want to be the everything store, you have to sell everything to everyone. And I think Amazon's, you know, offerings that day, what was it Thursday? They announced they're both cynical in the sense that it's like, you know, we're offering again, like, you know, a traffic stop thing when we're already offering stuff to the cops, but also, um, I think delusional, similar to the way that Facebook's um, AR maps thing is, where it's like, what, you know, Facebook was the last company that should be trusted with 
mapping out public and private spaces because of its history of privacy abuses and its disregard for like ba its basic role and function within the general society. Amazon also is like not a company that we should trust, uh, given a lot of questions about privacy, given its monopolistic nature, and yet it's offering uh, to uh, put more cameras in and outside of your home, and the and the the benefit is supposed to be that you can feel safe. And it's like, well, <laughs> uh, feel safe from what? Like um, the the PR, the press release took a lot of effort, you know, to emphasize the threat of break-ins, you know, uh, mm. the threat of not knowing what's going on in your home. They tried to do small things where it's like maybe you forgot your oven. It was on and you just want to check, you know, to large things like someone's going to break in your house. But at the end of the day, it's like Amazon is trying to convince you that you need it because something is going to go wrong if you don't have it. And not that Amazon is just selling to both sides. If something goes wrong, Amazon is selling to you. If something might go wrong, it's selling to the cops. Right. And also, if um, something does end up going wrong, it's it's probably going to be because of how lax the security protocols are that are going to allow you know people to hack into the ring the way that they did last year. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, right, exactly. So there's there's all kinds of uh, security and privacy issues and whatever. But uh, the always home camera is really bizarre too. I mean, if you if you the reader hasn't Literally haven't drunk. looked it up. <laughs> You, you should look it up because it, I mean, it just looks like some baby toy shit as well. Like my first thought was like Fisher Price, my first baby blocks. Yeah, no, it's my first drone, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's Fisher Price, my first drone. I mean, it, 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 it and it's designed, but it's designed that way to look really uh, kind of like, like, you know, inconspicuous and, and non-threatening. But it's also very funny because for the always home cam to to work so it's not it's not a drone that you can like uh control yourself right like you can't like remotely control it what you do is you have to provide ring with a map of your home before mm -hmm. the drone can operate it's like all right nice try buddy uh, uh, <laughs> you almost got me almost got me <laughs> no, but they they are going to get people with that i mean like i think like in all honesty there are going to be a lot of people who will give it up to them because they just simply want um, there to be a camera always home. Yeah. Yeah. They want to be able to just uh, because like what you do is you like give it this map of your home and you program it and it just flies in a, like, like a set path. So you just like turn it on and it comes out of the base and like for five minutes or whatever, it flies around this set path um, and checks everything out. You know, it's like people will do that. People will do that for sure. Um, I, I said on Twitter, if I, you know, if I come over to your house and I see you got one of these flying around, it's going to have an accident. You feel me? <laughs> As you should, dude. I mean, honestly, if, if you see, if you see someone, you know, with one of these cameras, you should break it. I mean, I just, you know, like, yeah. honestly, you don't need it. They don't need it. You know <laughs> what to do. You know, see something, say something. <laughs> All right. So that's, so that's, that's the new offerings on ring. Uh, and now that, now this is just like a gadget review show. Like we're just doing yeah. CNET. Like, <laughs> all right. So now, now that's the new offerings on ring. Stars. <laughs> Act now. <laughs> use, mm -hmm. use promo code TMK for 20% off. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so 
yeah, so we got the 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 ring car cam. So so ring is now on your door. It's in your home. It's in your car. Uh, it's everywhere. Uh, Alexa. Oh, we didn't. So one of the things I want to talk about with Alexa um, as well is Alexa for residential. So this came, this like oh, news God. dropped like like a couple of weeks ago, and it, uh, uh-huh. like I meant to talk about it on a previous episode, but kind of flew by us. But let's let's talk about it briefly right now, in case people aren't aware that it's it's uh, it's Alexa for gentrifying. It's Alexa for landlords. Yeah, you know, Alexa for residential, basically they want Alexa in your house before you move in, right? And so, uh, ostensibly, it's supposed to be to uh, provide smart home features to apartments, but, you know, there are going to be a lot of other ways in which it's actually going to be used, right? So, the integration of a smart unit uh, to allow central control, remote control, uh, heating, uh, lighting, of, um, you know, any sort of like nitty particular shades, um, door locks, whatever, you know, you want, uh, can also be integrated into consumption practices. So you can, you know, have Amazon deliveries scheduled at a certain time through the house, right? But all and all of these sound like convenient things, they are convenient things. But the ultimate thing it's going to, you know, be done is one, it's going to allow landlords to inflate the prices of the rentals. And, you know, this is not like, some crystal ball shit like this has already happened in the past where um, in the way of uh, the great recession, you know, uh, and the housing crisis um, and the long tail housing crisis that was uh, that came afterwards, the landlords tried to inflate value of their own investments by integrating like smart devices, right, or mm-hmm. integrating tech into the processes that they offered to residents and to applicants and to investors. And that didn't really go anywhere except to allow them to, you know, try to prey on the poorest applicants. And when it when it's going to be reapplied here, I mean, again, <clears throat> all it's going to end up doing is allowing your landlord to say, look, you have a smart home, you have Alexa, so I'm going to charge you like another 250 on the top well, for the month or whatever they want to do. And secondly, right? Yeah, just just wait, just wait until your lease has baked into it a like uh, a monthly technology fee, right? Where it's like this, right. like it, you know, it's a subscription service that you're having to pay for, like through your lease that's like baked into right. your rent. And you know, again, also, Alexa, uh, Amazon has been trying to get Echo devices, right? Alexa compatible devices as well into as many homes as possible, even at massive losses, right? Um, because people who have Alexa, people who have Echoes, are going to spend like billions of dollars more for Amazon or the class of consumers that have an Alexa or an Echo spend billions of dollars more than individuals who don't, right? And that is important to Amazon because, again, like it allows them more insight that they can use to sell advertisements, that they can use to create products, that they can use to compete with people, that they can also use to train their voice recognition system, which they then offer to other businesses as a product, right? Alexa is not simply a voice assistant to help you in your day-to-day life. It also is a series of APIs, right, and protocols that allow that it is sells uh, to businesses, sells to militaries, sells to the government. Right, that it uses the consumer to freely train a product that it then sells to a private entity at a profit. And this is again like another one of the key elements of Amazon's strategy that ends up 
um, I think being overlooked in some cases, which is that it offers a zero cost or low cost service to the public and a high cost service to the private sector, right? It's a loss leading program. They, Alexa's in of themselves, Echo's in of themselves don't make money for the, on the consumer side. But if you can get as many people on them as possible, then they'll make money for Amazon when they do what they do, which is, you know, buy shit on it. Yeah, yeah. And and they're also, and we'll talk about this uh, soon, but they're also increasingly now going to be a core part of core nodes in the, the mesh network, the Amazon sidewalk mesh network. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so so they have this this func- they have this kind of infrastructural function as well, which I don't think, you know, m- most people, I would say uh, almost nobody thought that, you know, when they bought their Amazon connected device, um, it would later be enrolled into operating a like a, a wide area mesh network, right? To like keeping this running. That like you know they they were they were essentially buying the infrastructure for um, Amazon to control. Uh, th- this kind of connectivity in much the same way. I mean, Amazon plays these long games, right? And they've got they've they've got you know. Uh, they they their horizon is 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 longer than than I think a lot of us um our analysis is because they're they're understanding how things are coordinated and connected with each other as well. I mean that's also with Ring, right? So Ring right. by connecting them all together through this neighbors app, right, where you can like, you know, share your racist thoughts and videos and fears with other, you know, racist people in your community. <laughs> um, you know, you can all, you can all share the same video um, of, of, of the, like the one, you know, black guy you don't recognize who is walking down the street and being or like, anyone, anyone know yeah. who this guy is? Anyone know, you know, <laughs> but, yeah. but what it does is it creates this, this like uh, this bottom up, this kind of like grassroots uh, network of sur- of total surveillance capture, right? Because you could never, you could never, I don't think, get people to agree to have total CCTV camera coverage um, in a neighborhood, right? Maybe, maybe like, yeah, you can do it in like a like a bit like a downtown area where you know um, you can do it. Maybe you can have like see like some cameras um, uh, on the on the street corners on the intersections and stuff. But mm-hmm. to have every single house have an outward looking uh, CCTV, which is uh, uh, accessible by the police. Um, you could never agree, you could never get people to agree to do that. So instead, what you do, um, and this is the market at work, baby, you get people mm-hmm. to buy those cameras themselves, install them themselves, so that they think they are getting the benefit from it, and then you just wire all of those individual devices together, right? Right. Now, now you've achieved total information capture in a way that not only has people literally buying into the network, but thinking that it's uh, it's benefiting them um, and keeping them safe from everyone else, just as everyone else around them also thinks that it's keeping them safe from, you know, right. from, from all their neighbors. And I think it's also really important as we talk a lot about the surveillance, like reiterate to people, when we talk about surveillance, we're also like, 
we steer we steer away from um, the psyop conception of uh, uh, surveillance capitalism as like this new iterative and hegemonic form, and instead are thinking more about like the one that was uh, coined by pair, the trio or pair of Marxists and Monthly Review, where they're talking about surveillance being a necessary part of capitalism to ensure that labor is acting as it should, that capital is going to be able to be parked where it can, that um, consumer behavior can be regimented because it needs returns and economic activity that is inherently unsustainable and inherently going and, and inherently like unnatural in the sense that right, like the levels of economic activity needed to sustain the United States as like a major superpower as the superpower of the world right and as a major economic engine are ones that require huge amounts of artificial stimulation and so you need surveillance to make sure that the artificial stimulation is happening right Amazon mm-hmm. needs this sort of surveillance to happen so that it can ensure that you're staying in the ecosystem and so it can ensure that it can beat out any competitors, right? That's why it uses every single arm of its infrastructure and system and, 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 and kingdom and empires is, is if it has surveillance, it's for the purpose of making sure you stay inside of the garden and that no snakes enter it, right? That mm-hmm. It's not to... It's not, you know, to subvertly modify your worldview so that you think of things differently. It's so that you can be willing to offer up information that can be used for ads. So be, you're willing to buy things from them and so that you're, you're more pliable for them to be able to then figure out what you're doing on them if you're not buying their shit and yeah. offer alternatives. Amazon doesn't need to uh, use its its magical behavioral modification powers, right? This magical manipulation machine that it supposedly has uh, to control you. No, it it doesn't need to do that because what it does is it erects an ecosystem and it traps you inside of it and it becomes the necessary intermediary for everything, right? Uh, when you buy something, you do it through Amazon. When you uh, when you hook up your home and you know you you want your home security, but you also want your home convenience, right? Like um, you got your Ring and your Alexa, you do it through Amazon. Um, mm-hmm. the, then they do the same thing with the police, right? That I mean, that's what all these Ring partnerships are. It's a way of making the police so reliant upon Amazon's uh, surveillance infrastructure that it gives Amazon huge immense power with the with the police and over the police right i mean how many how many conce- how many concessions can amazon pull out of police departments by threatening to just snip the wire on their access to uh these ring platform you know to the to the neighbor's platform with all the ring camera uh, feed and shit like that right like like that you know once the police become used to that um that gives amazon a lot of power it makes them a necessary intermediary right so what you got to understand amazon as is not this like uh you know this wizard that's somehow manipulating you and, and, you know, casting this mind control ray over you. Um, what you got to understand it in a much more just frank and blunt and honest way as they are just, they are being the gatekeeper, right? Like they are, they are being the feudal Lord, Lord, they're building the fortress around you and they're deciding, uh, who can be, who can let, uh, in and out of the doors. 
And it works, you know. And it works. I mean, it, yeah. I think um I think that there needs to be really like conscious effort every time you hear and you see Amazon doing something think of it just again as like a node in this network because Amazon really Amazon doesn't want Amazon is not in the business of making uh, television shows just so you can have something nice to watch they're not in the business of making a camera so that you can feel safe at home they're not in the business of offering uh, healthcare just so you can have like a better plan. Like they're all doing, they're doing all of these things because they believe that there's an avenue for profit, right? And that because there's an avenue for profit and they're not in there yet, there are certain things they need to do to achieve a profit. There are certain things they need to do to preserve a profit. And sometimes it's loss leading. Sometimes Mm -hmm. that's making you rely on core devices that are in an infrastructure that's integrated. Sometimes that rely, that, requires that you know one or another strategy by them which is often something that they adhere to life or death right when they release products and services and when they lobby and when they market themselves and when they go before congress like it's all part of i feel a cohesive strategy that makes sense if your end goal is just i want to be profitable and i want to be and i want to be profitable in a way that's unassailable by any other competitor Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Too big to assail. <laughs> right. Too big to kill, so, right? You can't get too me. big to kill. Yeah, yeah. Y'all know TMK can never be bought, but we can be invested in. You know, you can't buy our opinions or our endorsements. You can only purchase a stake in them. And Ed, I don't know about you, but I'm I'm excited to announce this collab that we got going on now. Right. You know, we are, um, you heard it here first, we're launching a new, we're launching season one of a new exciting uh, clothing brand. It's a TMK and SoftBank crossover. Uh, We like to think of it as future wear for the information revolution. Yeah, yeah. You guys know, you you guys have heard about streetwear. That shit's in the past. Right. Jajun, Neanderthal shit. This is about future wear. This is about TMKX SoftBank bringing you the the accessories, the equipment, the gear you need to survive in a post-capitalist, post-apocalyptic world. Right, what, tell, know, tell, tell the folks about some of the clothing, Ed. What, 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 what makes it special? I think the thing that we want you to be the most excited about is how most of our clothes, they're dumb, you know? They don't do anything. They're not responsive to your environment. They're just, at best, uh, an ad, you know, a portable ad that you take with you from point A to point B, a signal, a class signal to let people know that you're in this group or that group, but we don't want any of that. You know, we want your clothing to really be not only an extension of you, but, uh, a way to protect you, a way to respond to your enha- environment. It's an enhancement of you. Right, right. You know, I think, you know, today, what happens if someone sneezes around you, right? You got to cover your, you know, yourself with your arm, right? Or if you sneeze around someone, you got to cover that up with your arm. What if your clothing responded to that and protected you, you know? Um, what if it, what imagine imagine this situation where you're like you're out in public and you know you get you got your TMK X SoftBank hoodie on right you're out in public and and oh shit there's someone there's someone that's got got coronavirus and they're positive 
you know, near you. How you how are you gonna know? How are you gonna know? The hoodie's gonna right. let you know. It knows. It's tapped into those databases. It it knows that you know there, there's 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 danger around you. So what's it do? You know, it, it's hard to breathe with that when when you're always wearing a mask, right? Ed? Like like you always mm-hmm. got it on. And it's just mm-hmm. hard to breathe. And you know you you gotta wear it all the time because you never know when you need it, right? But with mm-hmm. the but, but with with the future wear, it knows when you need it. So like the hoodie could like turns into a mask in real time to protect you. That's why you know the, the season one of this machine invest is going to be great. You know this is going to be how uh, we radically change the world. You know it's going to be able to do contract tracing. It's going to be able to respond to your environment and interface to charge your electronics. It's going to be able to provide rock solid airtight alibis if you are ever accused of a crime by the state or you know public safety agencies um it's going to be able to hold your credits for you you don't need a wallet anymore you just need your clothes mm. i mean how big of a change is that you don't need to swipe the car just swipe your arm you know the best I mean, technology is the technology that works for you you right. know i'm so i'm so tired of all this all this smart tech working against me i'm so tired of all this surveillance watching me well uh, it's time for me to watch you for a change it's time for me to use this tech for for my benefit for a change to keep me safe and you know we're 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 really happy to partner with SoftBank on this because, you know, since their founding, the SoftBank Group has sought to use the information revolution to contribute to the well-being of people and society. The unlimited potential of the information revolution should be deployed in the right way so that it brings happiness to humanity. The vision is a driving force for the SoftBank Group as they contribute to pursue growth. And, and we agree with that, you know, and we're really mm-hmm. happy to be part of that information revolution, you know. Right. So, I don't know, just stay tuned, folks, for the TMK SoftBank launch. You know, this is just a teaser. Uh, season one of the Future Wear is coming to you soon. Let's now roll on to our the, the next product on offering. On uh, you're you're watching TMK QVC, <laughs> and uh, so a, a new device that Amazon dropped last week as well in their flurry of announcements. Um, or no, this wasn't last week. This was a couple months ago, and I had just missed it until last week. Uh, mm-hmm. Is the Amazon Halo? Oh God. <laughs> so we've got this beautiful Amazon Halo device here. Competitors mm. include Fitbit, Jawbone, the Apple Watch, right? So it's a fitness and health tracking um, wristband. Apple's decided to get in on the game. You know, it's a fitness health tracking uh, with an app. Uh, so you wear it and it tracks, you know, not just your steps, but a lot like it's meant to monitor a lot of things uh, from physical activity and heart rate to your sleep phases um to like your body fat information um stuff in there about like your like your i think it might be like voice activated something in there about like voice tone like i don't know there you know it's a really kind of like uh all all inclusive fitness and health tracker um which again is a, so it's not enough to have Amazon in your home, in your car, on your door. 
you gotta also have it on your wrist, right? You gotta be carrying it with you all the time. Right. I think, and and their 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 forays into healthcare, I think, are really interesting, really important. You know, because I think with healthcare, right? Amazon was not in healthcare, so to watch Amazon go from not being in healthcare to healthcare is a good way for us to see the ways in which it penetrates a market, um, establishes an infrastructure and a network in real time when we're all paying attention, right? Halo is something that they released this year, right? Hundred dollar. Uh, wearable and has like a four month subscription service and it offers really like two main things right the body and tone right and so the body does all the stuff you're talking about right it scans you it records you it's it it uses pictures you send of your own body information that you may submit so voluntarily and then information it collects right to comprehensively in their words have like a suite of algorithms that generate your personalized 3d body model bfp body modal slider a visual of how your body could change as you gain or lose body weight right i love and to, i love to be i love to be checked out and probed by a suite of right. algorithms <laughs> encounters of the fifth kind man encounters of the digital kind i guess in this case and so, and and you also get tone right, which does it analyzes the positive and energy of your voice. What positivity. the fuck? <laughs> right, some new age shit here. You know, Basil's got his crystals uh, on the side, and he's like <laughs> thinking about how <laughs> how Halo's gonna help. I mean, that's what actually Halo's referencing. You know, people don't know this, but if you hold enough crystals while shopping on Amazon, you get a Halo. Um, <laughs> kind of here, like an aura you know um and there it, it's supposed to measure how happy or sad you sound and the energy you know the vibes that you have um which is my fucking amazon's gonna tell me how i feel man this is some old bullshit yeah no and they will <laughs> and i think the halo is more intrusive than the Echo in a few ways, right? Emil uh, Protolinsky at VentureBeat did a good dive into how there's just a lot of fucking questions you should have when you hear about the Halo, right? On the one hand, right, Halo, you know, people usually don't like cameras and their wearables, right? Echo doesn't even, and Echo itself doesn't even have a camera in its own um, smart speaker, right? But the Halo allows you to use your smartphone's camera to upload your own pictures, right? And you should think of it actually as like a comprehensive attempt to like integrate itself between you and a doctor so that it can supplant the doctor, right? Because their premise is that you can use AI, you can use algorithms and machine learning to provide diagnostics um, and medical advice uh, with just your voice and selfies, right? Uh, there's no evidence that you can do this, <laughs> but that's not going to stop Amazon from announcing uh, that you can do it, right? And if you and if you look at the privacy section, it's the thinnest section of the press release, as Emil talks about. And you know there are a lot of things they don't say or they do say there, right? You know, there's not really a lot that talks about. Um, for example, you can you can download and delete your your Halo Health data at any time, right? But when you delete it, where is it being deleted from? Is it just being deleted from your phone? Is it being deleted from the server? Like, what is Amazon doing with the data if it doesn't get deleted from the server? And also, what happens to your data if you don't delete it, but you just stopped using the Halo or you ended mm -hmm. your subscription, right? If you lose your device and you never get a new one, does it keep the data? Probably. Um, there, there's not much clarification about encryption, right? It's, it's, it's stated to be encrypted in transit. But what in transit just means when it's being transferred from your phone 
to the uh, cloud servers, right? Or to the band itself, right? But what about when it's sitting in the band in the in the Halo itself or the cloud or your phone? Like, is it not as secure as it should be? And then they also talk about how they're only supposed to like, you know, move data when absolutely necessary, right? And one example they offer is that your tone speech samples that analyze the vibes in your voice are processed on your phone and deleted and no one listens to them because, um, you know, your Alexa recordings are listened to by individuals, um, uh, by contractors usually that Amazon uses. Um, but that doesn't answer the question I, of... I still just can't get over that it's like fucking analyzing vibes. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's insane. It really... It, <laughs> I mean, like, let's be clear. Affect recognition does not work. It's just like a more fancy subsect of physiognomy. You know, it does yeah. not fucking... It doesn't make any sense. It's bullshit. But who cares? I mean, like that. Not the lack of empirical backing has not stopped Amazon from marketing facial recognition. So why would that stop Amazon from entering affect recognition? Mm-hmm. You know, um, with tone again. You know, like if you record your voice, maybe the voice that literal recording you make is deleted. But what about the analysis of it? All that data is just as good, if not more so, than the actual speech recording. I doubt that's um, going to be deleted in the first place. And also, like, your scans, right? They're processed in the cloud and automatically deleted. But yeah. how can you and, verify that? And, and I mean, not, not only, like, yes, all of this is worrying in and of itself, right? Like, I don't want Amazon having any of that, and neither should you. Uh, you but but it's, again, if we... if if our mantra in thinking about Amazon is to think larger because they're always thinking larger, um, to mm-hmm. think beyond the device and to think about right. the ecosystem because that's how they're thinking, uh, what it's not only that they're going to have this data through through the Amazon Halo, this kind of bodily data, this affect, affect data, um, however inaccurate it is they're going to have it and it's going but it's going to be treated as accurate right it's going to be treated as an accurate representation of you um, of your sense of well-being uh physically mentally uh so it's not only that they have it but what are they going to do with it and what are they going to um who are they going to let do stuff with it right so recently uh it was announced uh, and, and like you know amazon lets people into their ecosystem they partner with people as a way to uh both empower themselves but also to trap them in in the amazon ecosystem um so it was recently announced that uh the the oldest and largest uh life and in, life insurer in north america john hancock uh is partnering with amazon to offer its members a free Amazon Halo device and a three-year membership, um, which typically cost $3.99 a month. And this is coming from um, a scoop in 1.0 from like a month ago. Uh, But so um, in exchange, members will have to hand over their data to their insurer, uh, which will use it to award discounts on premiums and other rewards. So it should mm-hmm. be said, I mean, this is not unique in the sense that John Hancock also has uh, similar partnerships with Fitbit and Apple Watch. Um, they are very much uh, a little bit ahead of the curve, but more leading the pack 
um, of how insurers are now, you know, life and health insurers are now looking to wearables as a uh, as a form of um, very valuable data, and in return, they're kind of, you know, dangling these these promises of of, of discounts on premiums and other re- other rewards, whatever that means, right? Maybe a free right. device, or or you know, they're subsidizing the cost of the four dollar subscription a month. Which for which for the the life insurer is a fucking steal. If all you have mm-hmm. to do is pay four dollars a month for someone to wear this device and share all of the data it collects, uh, that's perfect. The, you don't, yeah, hell yeah. That's I better mean, than having the in person questionnaire like see and ascertain. Far better because <laughs> you can you. you can lie on the questionnaire. You mm-hmm. can't lie to the halo. Right. And I think, and, and like you're saying, you know, the larger forays are also in the context of like, what is it doing in the healthcare industry, right? The past two years, Amazon has quietly uh, bought up companies, entered partnerships, um, pursued new ventures like this Halo thing um, in an attempt to, I mean, they call it disrupting the healthcare industry, but it's really to privatize it further under their domain, right? You know, yeah, that didn't 20- uh, Warren Buffett and Bezos um, and, and Jamie Dimon, right? And Jamie Dimon, that's right. An unholy trinity, a literal fucking unholy trinity of capitalists um, announced uh, a venture called Haven, right? Where they were going to uh, basically use their uh, company's collective resources to make a nonprofit entity that would fund medical research and use pricing power to lower. Um, healthcare costs, right? Obstensibly. But, you know, over the past two years... Every, everybody everybody wanted single-payer healthcare, but we didn't know that right. the single-payer would be Bezos, Buffett, and Diamond. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I would... If you, Why the fuck would Amazon, Berkshire Hathaway, and J.P. Morgan be like the people that we want to handle our healthcare? In the first, I mean, one of the main reasons, you know, there's this great piece... Uh, uh, in the uh, NY Mag by Eric Levitz that talks about how um, that references, you know, uh, how a team of economists, you know, led by Thomas Piketty argued that, you know, one of the main problems in American political economy is that uh, there's been a massive shift from of resources from the public to private sector because of privatization and it, and it minimizes and undermines the ability of the government to regulate and redistribute, right? Because already private sector entities have such unwieldy amount of power. And then American law is like slanted towards corporate sovereignty and allowing them the freedom and the reign to uh, do what they want in extracting funds from public coffers, right? And so you end up getting like this venture which where some of the richest men in the, in the country, in the world, are gonna be deciding the course of healthcare. Um, and 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 use it to offer plans to healthcare employees. Use it to dictate the terms of uh, research for medical uh, diseases or illnesses, and use it to uh, to to prioritize what sort of drugs are going to get you know subsidized. And this is on top of you know Haven for the last few t- two years hasn't really panned out primarily. You know there've been a bunch of roadblocks, and so Amazon has you know decided to take it up on its own um, to cut, to disrupt healthcare on its own, right? So Amazon's doing shit like Halo, but it's also doing like acquisitions like PillPack. And PillPack was this company that already had, it was a mail order pharmacy, right? 
that already was able to send drugs to 50, all, you know, 50 states, right? And had partnerships and relationships with a bunch of pharmacies, you know, like physical locations. And Amazon just bought it, right? And Amazon is now trying to leverage that not only into, you know, further skirting regulations uh, around its ability to enter the pharmacy business, uh, but to take advantage of the licensing, the infrastructure, the supply chain, uh, to figure out where it can, you know, squeeze a little bit more, extract a little bit more profits, and ostensibly cut costs, but bring more of it into their own private domain, right? I mean, they, they as a result, like they, this deal, when they talked about it, was also offered as like a way to move into telehealth, right? And mm. what is a good, what is a good partner with telehealth? It's wearables, right? The data that you get from wearables uh, is a huge opportunity because the data collection and the analysis and the remote monitoring could be could allow them to provide ostensibly provide care in a way that doctors can't, or to put themselves in between you and a doctor and extract mm-hmm. you from mm-hmm. you or the doctor, or to make themselves in, like you just said, position themselves with insurers. I mean, like there's this these sorts of deals allow Amazon to to find new ways of extracting revenues and rents from existing players at the same time as like kicking them out. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, they, you know, by moving into uh, so many different sectors and so many industries, I mean, it, it really, they're really kind of exemplifying this, this, you know, solutionist mindset in the sense that like they truly do think that they have the solution for for healthcare, for home security, for X, Y, and Z, right? Like they have the solution for it. And if they don't have the solution themselves, then they'll buy a company um, that that markets itself as having the solution and then roll it into the Amazon ecosystem. And and we and we know just from looking at like Ring um, that when Amazon buys you, it, yeah, it doesn't just let you keep running the way that you were. It wants to supercharge you, right? Like it wants you, it wants to bring you to the next level um, so that you, you aren't just providing a doorbell camera or you just aren't providing, um, you know, a, a, a mail, a mail order pharmacy or whatever you are, you are providing total home security. You are providing total healthcare, right? So like, we can we should expect you know something them to do something very similar um, with this kind of venture into uh, into healthcare and I think I think you're totally right Ed that the idea is that they want to put themselves in between they want to make themselves the arbiter of your health right they want mm-hmm. to make themselves the steward of your health um, and so by doing so they put you in between um, in data and information about your health, about how you feel. Um, they put that, they put you in between the doctor. Um, they put you in between the insurer, right? Like they want to carve, like kind of pry open with the jaws of life space anywhere that they enter into so that they can kind of nestle themselves in between you and, and whatever. And I think this is an important place to highlight the difference between like surveillance capitalism and the Marxist conception and surveillance capitalism and Zuboff's conception because Zuboff's conception would be like they're positioning themselves in these places so that they can modify your behavior but look I mean in all honesty um, they are not really the ones that are concerned with modifying your behavior the ones who are are the traditional actors who have always done that 
Insurance mm -hmm. companies are always concerned with modifying your behavior. Advertising is always concerned with modifying your behavior, right? And these are entities that are either being amplified or taken into and consumed by Amazon, right? And so from a bird's eye view, that does not seem like a novel form of capitalist dynamics. And in reality, it's just you need to make sure that your fucking investment pays off, right? And mm -hmm. that surveillance and getting inside of people's homes is just one way to do that. The reason that it's doing that is because of profit, right? And the desire for profit. It's not that surveillance capitalism is making them do surveillance because that's what surveillance capitalism demands, is, right? It's that they a new profit, uh, profitability or a profitable enterprise has emerged. And the way for them to really dive into that and to shortcut or to bypass all the other competitors is to create a surveillance infrastructure so that one, they can know when you're interacting with these other competitors' products and cut you out of that. Two, why you're not using their products and get you to use them. And three, figure out the ways in which you are using other people's shit so that they can advertise other people's shit to you, right? All of this is just normal capitalist function since, um, you know, at least since the Cold War period, right? or as early as the Cold War, uh, I mean, sorry, the post-war period, right? And there's no major deviation here. Amazon is doing what we would expect any capitalist entity to do if it had this much power, which is the problem, right? Because of how... Yeah, and all right, so I think that brings us then to uh, what we might wrap up with is talking about um, the, the Amazon sidewalk mesh network, mm -hmm. Enough, like you kill one sidewalk and another one pops up. It's like Hydra. Yeah. <laughs> so Amazon announced uh, Amazon Sidewalk a while ago. I think last year at a... Uh, oh, you know, do you think they had to buy the property, the trademark for Sidewalk from uh, I don't, Google? <laughs> I don't know. I was, I was wondering because it's like, how do you have Amazon Sidewalk and then Google have Sidewalk Labs? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, there, there's a lot. So, so they are both like kind of smart territory, smart city adjacent, but but mm -hmm. taking very, very different tax. Um, mm -hmm. Very different tax in the sense that like Sidewalk Labs is a very Google approach to it, which is this like, you know, we want to make this space, like the Google-topia. We want to make this the Google city. Um, whereas Amazon Sidewalk, which is a, a, a basically a mesh network that like, you know, uses um, Bluetooth low energy connections to um, kind of wire together all of your smart devices, right? To create, right. not only wire them together, to, but to create a network so that data and, 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 and uh, bandwidth and so on can kind of be shared across them. But it's a very Amazon approach because at the end of the day, they don't care if it's like, you know, the Amazon run city, you know, what they want is just to uh, create and own the infrastructure of devices that make this, that make everything operate, that, right. you know, makes them the intermediary with everything and they could really give a shit if, uh, you know, they get the press for like, you know, having this experimental test bed laboratory, you know, that's not the Amazon way. Um, in, in a lot, in a lot of ways, like, you know, Amazon takes a very, uh, I, I don't know, their, their tactic is, is 
just so much more like low key, like they like they're just infiltrating, right? They're just doing the they're do they're doing the seemingly boring work of of, of infrastructure building, um, but it, it, it like it's gonna it's just so much more widespread and longer lasting than these kind of like blockbuster uh, events like Sidewalk Labs, right? Which just crash and burn because they try to do too much and be too much. Um, but anyways, so so I think Amazon announced Sidewalk like last year at one of these events, but now they're now they're like ready to roll it out into uh, into prime time, mm. and so, <laughs> so I think that so the idea with Sidewalk is that it extends the range and functionality of uh, of smart devices beyond like normal Wi-Fi connection. Right. So like they use these, I, they, like some of the examples they use is like, say you've got like, uh, you know, like a, like smart lighting on the edge of your property, you know, for like your pool, you know, you've got these smart, smart lighting in your pool, which is like, all right, who, who are you imagining here on the, (laughs) on the edge of your property? You know, it's like, all right, Wi-Fi can't reach that far, but by basically like jumping data from node to node, right? So from your Amazon Alexa to your ring to maybe a smart light, uh, you know, on your back door and then using that to jump it over using this, using Bluetooth to the smart light on the edge of your property, right? So it's this kind of like chaining, you know, it's it's, it's chaining everything together to create this mesh, to create this network. Uh, and, and, and there's a lot you can do with that because now you've, you know, they use sidewalk, but they talk about it as in terms of, um, creating networks that are like the size of neighborhoods, right? So like one of their, one of Amazon's taglines for sidewalk is, uh, when more neighbors participate, the network becomes even stronger. Right. (laughs) So it's this idea that like, if everyone in your neighborhood has, uh, a ring and a, and a car cam and an Amazon Alexa and a Halo um, and you know whatever else that's you know third party stuff that's connected to Amazon's mm-hmm. network, then this net this mesh network becomes much tighter, becomes mm-hmm. stronger. The connectivity expands lar- longer. It be- the the bandwidth is larger. So. So you know you can you can have total you know you can have total connectivity at all times anywhere mm-hmm. inside or outside of your home. Now all of these smart devices can be truly smart all of the time. There's like a there's like a little like a little threat in there though. It's like some soprano shit where they're sitting there <laughs> and they're just like you know the nice neighborhood you know it'd be a shame if something happened to it you know if something <laughs> happened to it because everybody didn't get on the network you know we treat you good right we treat you good don't we huh you don't want to get on my network huh? okay. <laughs> uh, it'd, be, it'd be a shame if someone came in and created a mesh network that became an intermediary for every well, single device and every for me, service huh? And then, and, and it'd be a shame if someone just kind of cut the cord on that mesh network, you know? Yeah. So in addition to this, this like bizarre, like smart light on the edge of your property um, example, the, the original example Amazon used to talk about the sidewalk, um, I think last year when they first announced it, uh, is uh, Ring Fetch. 
you know, the, the, this ring fetch device, which is something, it's a device that you're meant to clip <laughs> to your pet's collar to keep track of them. Um, so it's essentially creating this kind of like geofence using the mesh network to like uh, triangulate your pet's exact uh, location, creating this geofence. And if the pet like strays outside of this designated area, it alerts you and then it helps you find it because even if your pet is somewhere else in the neighborhood, it's still in the network, right? Yeah. Right. And so, and and because of these networks, um, the way that the the data triangulation works, it can it can uh, uh, do it to like actually like pretty minute location tracking, right? Like like really precise min- uh, location tracking. And I mean, it's it's a cute it's a cute example, right? You got yeah. your ring fetch, but it's also like imagine that technology. What else? What else can we do with it? So. Okay. I, horrible shit horrible <laughs> shit right like like now you got your halo mm-hmm. that might as well be a a, a, a track and pet collar as well right like but like for, for you <laughs> but for you but for you everybody is always potentially under home arrest right everybody is always potentially no like their location is knowable um their information about them is knowable no more crimes. You're not going to be able to do any more crimes, people. If you want to do crimes, you should be against Amazon because how are you going to tell the officer you were at your uh, your parents' house when you were clearly <laughs> sticking up the 7-Eleven like a mile and a half out? That's when you that's when you got to that's when you got to hook up with Amazon Alibi. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> That'll be the next service. Huh? You want a pinch? Do you need a way to disrupt our total awareness information system uh, by under, by corrupting servers at the police department with Amazon recognition and corrupting the neighborhood awareness system in Amazon Ring and Amazon Sidewalk? Well, here's Amazon Alibi. Hey, hey, Alexa, if anyone asks, I was home all night. <laughs> you got it, Jason. <laughs> <laughs> uh so so the 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 Amazon sidewalk this is the one to watch it's the one to watch because this is like this is the long play right so this is what uh this is what Amazon Alexa this is what the the ring cams this was all these these individual devices are plugging into which is the creation and maintenance of this this mesh network, essentially the infrastructure for uh, wide area constant connectivity. Uh, you know, all the shit that we feared would come true because of 5G. No, I mean, 5G is a joke, right? Like it's, it's becoming pretty wide. I think it's becoming widely recognized that the 5G technology is itself a joke. Uh, in the in the sense that like it won't even work if there's like a window in the in in right. the way between you and the the cell relay, which is also why everybody, um, including our partner SoftBank, is talking about six G, because uh, everyone's basically giving up on five G. But yeah. it's what- so insane to me. We haven't even uh, really destroyed any five uh, G towers, and they're already trying to. Uh, uh, mock us with 6G. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Destroying the towers is yes. I, the, this is also good because this shows the 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 mesh network will supplant 
this idea of 5G or 6G, right? Because there's no tower to destroy. You have right. to destroy every ring device and every Alexa, right? It becomes a far more resilient uh, grassroots again, kind of a way of building, you know, from the bottom up, from the device up way of building these networks, which doesn't rely on uh, the centrality of like cell towers and things like that. And it, it, by using Bluetooth, it can go through walls and windows and whatever, and just kind of right. daisy chaining these devices together. And so I, I truly think that like all of the, all of the fears that we had about what 5G would cause in terms of um, like automation and stuff like that, uh, and empowering this total connectivity, total, you know, kind of like o- overlord, overwatch uh, situation. Mm-hmm. That will, I, I think it's much more likely that this will be rolled out through Amazon's sidewalk rather right. than through 5G or 6G or, the, you know, this kind of more traditional um, way of, uh, and centralized way of building a network. You know, it makes me think of a lot of sci-fi. Some of my favorite sci-fi, you know, deals with all this like um, conceptualizations uh, or futures where people are post-humans and where it's like, you know, scarcity is not is no has been abolished and um, everything is like smart in the sense that like you know it's computational matter. There's computational matter embedded in it and it can do calculations and it's connected to everything else and there's like a network everywhere. And I think about how like. In some sense, it would be nice if we had, um, if networks were radically expanded beyond your home, right? And if you were able to plug in to the internet or to digital world or to your own shit or to your neighborhood, wherever you were, right? But then the reality of the situation is like, one, that process is being mediated by like five corporations who have constructed an economy that just is meant to sell ads about you to you, or I mean, meant to sell ads to you by other people, right? And then two, also again, like the internet is so fucking fragmentary that you, would you even want that? You know, would you even want a mesh network expanding beyond your neighborhood? Do people even really want to communicate with their with their neighbors in the first place, given the way that thing, way the fragmentation has happened? And even if they did, you know, we have that in rudimentary forms that are pre-mesh, like next door, and that shit doesn't. I don't want to get to know those people. The the people on next door are gonna be on the fucking Amazon sidewalk. So mm. I'm thinking that, you know, I I it, it makes yeah, I think about some of these interviews where these people they hint at how they like they were brought up on like conceptions of post-capitalism and like Star Trek socialist utopias, but like what they come up with is like capitalist hellscapes, right? What they're coming <laughs> up with are like um some of the worst possible versions of technology that could be used to liberate people or connect them. And instead they're just using mm. it to sell ads and to scalp, you know, more cash from their pockets. Yeah, it's it's wild because the original kind of like I, the way I first found like learned about mesh networks was as this kind of utopian project, right? Is this way of like yeah. we can democratize the internet by um, in New York decent- they use them. For- they have free network. They have free Wi-Fi in parts of in Brooklyn through a mesh network. That's yeah, right, you know. So it becomes this like municipal or community kind of way of of running the internet, right? We decentralize the internet through mesh networks. 
but Amazon saw that technology and decided to throw its own spin on it, right? And capture it, exactly. Uh, where, uh, you know, now now it's we get all of the, the benefits of the mesh network while also all of the benefits of Amazon controlling it right. and being the intermediary between you and the mesh network, right? It's, and, you know, you were talking about how it's like, oh, you know, do people really want to know their neighbors? Do they want to? That's the beauty of it, though. You don't have to talk to anybody um, because your Alexa might be talking to all your neighbors, Alexas and all their rings and stuff. But you don't you don't know about it and you don't have to know about it. Right. So you can have the you can have this beauty of uh, of of a. Uh, uh, maintaining your fortress suburbia lifestyle while also doing something that is seemingly pro-social, um, but all it really requires you to do is to buy a lot of Amazon products and have them hooked up in your house. And then it contributes to the creation of this seemingly pro-social mesh network without any of the hangups of uh, community or public good or, you know, any, any of that bullshit that, you know, just, just, you know, pull, pulls technology down, you know, it really that shit is just like, keeps it on you and human <laughs> innovation and the old uh, ball and chain. Yeah, you know, and I think that's also quiet, underlying, sinister part of this. Like the vision of connectivity that's being uh, pursued here is one where to avoid collective forms of solidarity that would challenge privatized uh, modes of, the, of being, right? And, and, and systems and infrastructures, you need to have people, people want to associate, people want to be social, people want to get to know uh, whoever they can, and you need that to happen in a way that's apolitical, right? And the way to do that is to just create these mesh networks that are privatized and stripped of capacity for real collective action. Because, you know, like it's, it's, is this mesh network gonna, is this mesh network gonna be, uh, allow you to, for example, do like a rent strike? Fuck no. You know, is this, is this mesh network gonna be allowed? Uh, capable for you to organize like food drives or you know any sort of action or you know fuck no like why because that all of that shit is one step away from asking why does amazon need to be running the mesh network the mesh network will be used to ask to ensure that amazon products and services are of the utmost quality right and they will allow you to snitch on amazon flex drivers and they will allow you to uh, make sure that your uh, your your ring is acting up or correctly, or that uh, make sure that nobody in the neighborhood steals your Amazon delivery, right? Or make mm -hmm. sure that your dog doesn't go too far away when it has your Amazon fledge thing. It's just it's just shit for the Amazon ecosystem because you are only allowed to connect with other people if Amazon can get in on the action, and it cannot get in on the action if uh, y'all are trying to organize a strike. How the fuck is that profitable? You know, but. If y'all want to um, organize like a neighborhood watch system, go ahead, you know, <laughs> like just make sure you're using Amazon Ring. <laughs> you, yeah, I mean, they'll even help you out with that, right? You can use the neighbor's app to free, organize right? it. Yeah, so they've, already, every got, they've person already got you, you covered. down with a hoodie uh, because you saw them on an Amazon Ring system, we will give your community a 5% discount code on uh, their packages you know <laughs> uh it's future. bleak it's bleak man i think we're 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 running to the end of time um there's so many there, there's so much other stuff that we didn't even really touch on right oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> yeah. it just shows that like 
it's like, yes, on one hand, like, you know, we've got this constant rotation of like, who's the main, like the main villain in capitalism. And it's like, all right, right now it's Amazon, right? Like this is, this is the age of Amazon. Um, and so it's like, you know, we, I think we just can't have to keep in mind that systemic pers- uh, perspective, right? So it's, it's not, it's not that Amazon is uniquely evil in the sense that it's like unprecedented disruption, right? It's not the sense that like Bezos, while he is a world historic supervillain, uh, he, he didn't come, he wasn't born from nothing, right? Like ex Neo, like just, just coming out of the primordial ooze. And it was, it was Bezos, you know, now like all of this is plugging into an already existing base, right? It's our, it's plugging into an experience, but and expanding on um, this, this kind of political economy that we already live with. And what Amazon is trying to do is not something uh, totally unique or, or unprecedented. Um, it's just, it's doing things that are insanely precedented, right? It's doing things that are, are kind of old hat, but it's just, it's, it's finding its own spin on it. It's finding its own way to, to kind of roll out this, this monopoly, right? I mean, we talked a lot about uh, in our, our episode with David Banks about monopoly rents, um, about subscri- you know, everything as a subscription, kind of life as a service, um, and this is Amazon getting in on the getting in on the game, right? And mm-hmm. but it's but it's also doing so in a really weird way because unlike SoftBank, which is an investment vehicle um, that you know uh, puts a lot of money into a lot of pots. Um, Amazon does so in a, like a wholly owned kind of way, right? Like these are, these are wholly owned subsidiaries, um, of Amazon and it it hasn't spun itself out like Google has into alphabet where it just becomes this kind of like, like weird holding company, um, with a lot of, you know, with a lot of other companies doing very similar things, you know, uh, you know, Google's also getting into a lot of these spaces and, and I'm sure we'll have an, epi- an episode about Alphabet in the future because, um, you know, they've got Verily, which is their biosciences company that announced like last week that they were getting into the, the insurance business as well. So, you know, Alphabet's making a lot of moves, but Amazon keeps things t- tight to the chest. Um, and they keep things extremely well coordinated. That's something that Alphabet's like many subsidiaries and sister companies and stuff seem to not do nearly as well as Amazon does, which is this idea of of an ecosystem, of coordination, of of choreography, right? Of of rolling out all of these services like the Alexa and the Ring um, only so that they can get them into everybody's home, make it ubiquitous, so they can then use them to power an infrastructural network, right? I mean that that's some that's some next level. Like that that's the real that's the real fourth dimensional chess, right, right. there. You know, Alphabet fucked up. Alphabet, you know, by like it made this subsidy, it made it, it turned Google into a subsidiary of a new conglomerate that then has like twenty other arms and. Different pots that are not coordinated and each have their own CEO. You know, Amazon's not going to do that shit. If Amazon spins off any of its ventures, it'll be because like regulators force them to. You know, there's it's it makes no sense for, like you said, it makes no sense for Amazon's core strategy because Amazon knows it can do it and has 
maybe the maybe the courage, maybe the delusion to believe that they can do it, whereas like other entities might be a little bit more scared and cautious, right? Mm. Yeah. Before we wrap it up, I want to just make a remark on one thing that I, I just remembered is that like last, like late last week as well, when they were, when Amazon was force feeding us with, with, with drop after drop after drop, they also announced a um, partnership with Col- the University of Columbia Engineering to create oh, yeah. uh, the New York AI Research Center. Which is just so it's so fucking funny, right? That that uh, they're laundering this shit. And then what most people don't realize is that universities are just like four higher think tanks now. You dangle a little bit of money in front of academics or vice chancellors and presidents of universities, mm-hmm. and they'll fucking like they'll they'll do the jig for you. They'll jump however high you want, right? Like whatever you want. And um, it's very funny. I just want to read this this quote. From the press release, uh, and then we'll we'll end it up. Amazon's sponsorship of this center underlines its strong commitment to partnering with academia to address the hardest challenges in AI and to democratizing access to the benefits of AI innovations. So, in other words, uh, I don't know. Just ignore everything we just talked about for the last <laughs> yeah. half hour because Amazon's <laughs> democratizing this shit. It's democracy, baby. Yeah. Back again. Look, democracy, democracy is back. <laughs> democracy is back and it's good again. Ow. Democracy lives in darkness, right? We just <laughs> and on that note, uh, if anyone's listening on their speakers, um, hey Alexa, self-destruct. <laughs>